What a great day to be gathered together for our outdoor service. <laughs> then we moved indoors, and I woke up this morning, and I was like, yeah, I think that was the right call. I think I'd rather be in here than out there. And it's wonderful uh, to be able to celebrate together with really our, our full church family. So whether you're gathered here and usually go to the first service, or you're gathered here and you usually go to the second service, or you're gathering at home and you usually attend one of those services, we're, we're, one, we're uh, encouraged to be together for this uh, wonderful uh, celebration day. And uh, in this series of worship, we've been talking a little bit about this idea of worship that spills over. And today as we celebrate baptisms at the end of the service, there may be no better application than to see how God is impacting lives, even in the, the hearts and the lives of some of our young people that are going to be getting baptized today. Uh, in our second service, I think it was a week ago, I shared a little bit about a really wild baptism experience that I had uh, in, the, in the Pacific Ocean off the coast of Peru. And uh, if you missed that story, I'll tell it to you another time. I won't repeat it. But I started thinking, I've had a few kind of wild adventures uh, with baptism. Uh, one of them, uh, when we were doing a baptism service here in central Pennsylvania, and some of you are going to say that this cannot be true, but this is what happened. We're in a baptism service. I'm standing in the water the whole time because we had a whole bunch of college students that were getting baptized. And as I'm looking down in the semi-translucent pond water that it was, I'm seeing little tiny jellyfish like doing their little jellyfish thing by me. I, I'm not a big fan of jelly. I don't know anybody that's a big fan of jellyfish besides, the, you know, it isn't a sea turtle or whatever, but uh, I don't like jellyfish, but I thought, this isn't a thing. This cannot be a thing. So I told some people after the service, I said, did you see jellyfish in the water? And they said, come on, you're not in the ocean. There's no jellyfish, there's whatever. So I went back and I, I went to my good friend Google and found that there are freshwater jellyfish. So some, and it was, that was a central Pennsylvania pond that we were in. So you may actually have jellyfish in your pond. But I checked the baptismal here, no jellyfish. So we are good on that front. But we're excited to celebrate the baptism service just at the end of our, our service today and before we have lunch together and we're going to have a little bit of time for, for some fun as a church family. Really, we're, we're celebrating the, the launch of various ministries and various things that are underway as we come into a new season. And we're coming with great expectation and we ask you to join us in that great expectation that God would have good things for us, both on the personal and corporate level, as we go through uh, this fall season. So we've been talking, if you've not been with us, uh, through a series, teaching through a series called Draw Near, all about this privilege that we have in worship and some key principles that we've covered in the first week. We talked about this invitation to draw near to the presence of God. That is the difference between those that are in Christ and those that are not. If you are in Christ today, you have the invitation outstanding and ongoing to come in to the presence of Christ. And we do that corporately together. We do that in our personal prayer and worship spaces. You can do that before you got out of bed this morning as once again I did. I frequently do that on Sunday morning. I say, Lord, I know I'm gonna need you today and so I'm, I'm looking for your help. So we have that ongoing invitation. We talked about the new and better covenant that Christ fulfilled the old covenant of the sacrificial system and has brought us into a new and better covenant covenant and we celebrate that every time we come into worship and in particular every time we come to the communion table we're reminded of the restored communion that we have through the sacrifice of Christ 
Uh, Last week we were talking about worship that changes the heart and this idea that if God is ready to transform my heart, is my heart ready to be transformed? And specifically we looked at the overlap of worship and prayer. And again, we're, we're practicing this even today. You know, corporately as we're gathered together, we see the beautiful overlap of worship and, and prayer, and we would suggest that it should be that way. So today I want to take us through another very critical piece in the realm of worship, and the title of the message is simply Worship That Is Anchored in God's Word. Worship that is anchored in God's word, and we're going to look in a a very simple passage in the book of Hebrews. If you have your Bibles, you can flip over to Hebrews chapter 4, which is where we've been taking all of the texts for this series. Hebrews chapter 4, and I'm going to just read to you a couple of verses. We're going to reference several other ones today as well, Um, but I want to start with a very simple passage, uh, but powerful passage in Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse 12. And so we're going to talk about worship that is anchored in God's word. Let's read together Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So may God add blessing to the reading of his word uh, this morning. You know, one observation that strikes me when I read this short little passage from Hebrews, is very powerful, but the second uh, verse that we read, verse 13, is actually one that feels kind of intimidating. You know, when you really read that and think about like this idea that we would give an account, no, nothing is hidden from the eyes of the one to whom we will give an account. That's actually a very intimidating concept, except for the idea of verse 12, that the word of God is alive and active sharper than a double-edged sword. And so we're, we're gonna see today this notion that we are actually changed as worshipers as we are grounded in the word of God. Now this would be a great place that we might even pause because many of us, I suspect, have struggled with the idea of consistent time in God's word. It can feel elusive. Uh, sometimes it can feel dry. Sometimes we feel, you know, we just don't have the hunger And so it may even be a good place for you in your personal space just to say, Lord, uh, I need you to increase my hunger here in this area. This is a place I feel a need for increased hunger because the fact is the challenge of being consistent in God's word is not one of access, right? I mean, we, we know that. We have greater access than ever before. And I would even suggest to all of us who would say, I'm just so busy, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. The issue is not even one of time. Uh, the issue is one of, of hunger, and so we need to ask God for some help in this because, frankly, uh, and I'm, I'm the chief in this, I can be hungry for the wrong things, right? So I think when we, we've been doing a lot of just sort of heart business through this series, and, and I think it's a good heart business to say, I can be hungry for just the wrong things, and so I, I pursue things. I have the time, but I pursue other things. So Lord, increase my hunger And if you are in Christ today, you are given granted access to the throne of grace where you can actually ask for help. And so it's a good place for us to be. So Lord, just increase our hunger. Help us to be men and women who love your word. Uh, So here's another little just foundational piece. As we are talking about drawing near in worship, 
we want to be anchored in God's word. So what do we mean by that? There's probably a, a handful of ways in which we could apply that. I'll give you just a couple, and I'm not, this is not preaching, this is just kind of giving us a sort of setting the stage. When we talk about anchored in God's word, we might mean that our declarations of God's work and our declarations of God's character are consistent with biblical revelation. So we read things like the Psalms. The Psalms are a great place to go when we're trying to elevate our own sense of worship. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. That, that's a character trait or an aspect of God that we didn't make up. We're finding it foundationally as a piece that is revealed to us in God's word and yet we can give that back to him in worship. Uh, anchored in God's word may mean that our means of worship are aligned with God's word. So when we say things like sing a new song or the lifting of holy hands be for the Lord, uh, to lift up the name of Jesus. He said if, if he would be lifted up, he would draw people to himself. That's a worship concept. We want to make sure that the worship concepts that we are uh, working out and actually doing in a practical way, they're anchored in God's word. Uh, remember that in worship we are invited into the presence of God and now we are re responding in his presence with ex expressions of praise or adoration or gratitude or worship as we've already done today and continue to do. So anchored in God's word means that our expressions are not based simply on our emotion or our own life experience but they are stabilized on the foundation of God's word. So that and probably several other things we might apply or extrapolate when we say what does it mean to be anchored in God's word as we draw near in worship. So today, worship that is anchored in God's word, we started in Hebrews chapter four. The word of God is alive and active. Can I just ask you to focus on that phrase for a moment? The word of God is alive and active. Already, no pun intended, sort of the Spirit, but we're cutting against the grain of the things that we fall into when we find the Word of God to be either dry or boring or we're not sure where to start or we're not sure how long, whatever. The Word of God is alive and active. So I want to give us three things that this alive and active Word of God does for us today. I want to talk about God's Word changing us. I want to talk about God's word bringing hope, and specifically hope in the finished work of Christ. And then also God's word arming us for spiritual battle. Now, I have to confess to you that when I, when I started like crafting this, this message, I started writing some things out, I struggled somewhat in the writing of this message because I, I don't want to give so many layers that it becomes deeply impractical, right? The summary of the message, to meet God in worship, we've got to be grounded in God's word. To understand God's word, we've got to ac accurately exegete John 1 so that we can apply 2 Timothy 3 through the lens of Hebrews 4, and then you'll say, well, I don't even know where we, where we went with this. So I'm kind of fighting against that grain, but there's so much that we could lean into. I've chosen these these few. God's word changes us. The promise here, God's word is alive. God's word is active. God's word is interactive. And that kind of creates a very different way for us as we as worshipers of Christ coming into his presence engage in this written word so that when we read things like 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is God-breathed. 
and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. These are all words of change. Like, like you, can't, you can't go into this place and you can't marinate in this and you can't fill your life with this without it actually changing you in some way so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Scripture does that. God's word does that. Scripture is a revelation of God's glory. So that when we read John chapter 1, we hear things like the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That is a reference to Christ. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. I want you to think about this idea of revelation with me as we think about being worshipers who are grounded in God's word. Scripture is the written word of God. Uh, I'd love to kind of go into a study on the word logos, but I started unpacking that. I was like, this is another sermon I have all in and of itself. But scripture is the written word or logos of God. Jesus is the living word of God. Even the created world, Romans 1 tells us, is revealing the glory of God. And so if we can get our mind around this idea that we're not simply coming to a book or a set of books or a group of words, but rather a revelation of God's glory, that actually changes the way that you approach it. And I'm not going to suggest to you today that every time that you open your Bible, it is the great revelation, it's the Isaiah 6 revelation uh, 4 kind of experience, but I am saying if we take seriously that this is God's revealed will and word to us, we're going to approach it a little differently. God's word changes us because it becomes a conversation. Let me explain what I mean by that for a moment. How many of you... um, If you think about one person, historical figure, or even someone who's currently living, that you would say, boy, I would love to like get to know or understand that person better. Like, does does anybody come to mind when you think about like someone is like on that, on that level, you say, boy, I would really like to, I I just admire that person or, or whatever. If somebody comes to mind, yell, yell their name out. Anybody? Tozer. I'm guessing A.W. Tozer. That's the one. Yeah, not his, not his brother Frank. He was kind of. Um, yeah, okay, so, so Toz, so great Christian author. You just say, boy, I'd love to, to, I'm sort of intrigued by that person. Somebody else, somebody that, who? Paul, okay. C.S. Lewis. Newton, all right. Who? Michael Jordan? That's, that's good, you, you do you, I love it. Uh, somebody else, who comes to mind? Lincoln, okay, this, this is a, we're, we're learning a lot about ourselves here today. This is good, this is good. Somebody else? John Hagee, is that what you said? Okay, good. Somebody else over here? Mother Teresa and Mark Hamill. Yes, yes. I like where we're going. Now, now you got my mind going, oh yes. I would like to, I would like to meet some of these people as well. Um, I want to go somewhere with this it's not just to name names but uh, so, so how many of you when you think about somebody that you admire or intrigued by that you've read something about them you've read a biography perhaps autobiography articles or whatever so raise your hand if you, if you have read an article about somebody that you say yeah I'm sort of, sort of intrigued by that person now imagine 
Uh, and this does happen sometimes, not, not all the time, but sometimes you, you, you hear things like this. A news article that says, we've discovered the personal diary of that person. It's sort of intriguing, historical figure. We found their, their personal diary. And people sort of are drawn to this because it's like, this is not just what has been written about them, but now we're gonna hear like what, what was on their mind at various points in their life. And, and if you really want insight into kind of who they were and how they thought and how they processed or whatever, that sort of is an interesting thing. And then, you know, every now and then you get an opportunity, you, you maybe get to meet one of your heroes if they're still living. You know, too bad on Tozer. It would be nice, but he's, he's gone on to glory. C.S. Lewis, he's gone. Michael Jordan's still alive. Mark Hamill's still alive. You know, so, so there may be an opportunity to meet, and now you're, you're in conversation with that person. And uh, they do say don't meet your heroes because it's oftentimes a letdown. That's just a side note. But the biography tells about their life, the diary shares their thoughts, the conversation causes us to be actively engaged with the person. The reason I'm sharing this is that when we come to God's word, God's word changes us because it becomes a conversation between the author and reader, the reader encountering the revelation of God and the revelation of self. See, when, when, when the author of Hebrews says the, it, it cuts and, and, it, and it's sharp and it gets in and, and begins to, to show your motivation and the things that drive you. And many of our testimonies can tell some of that story that we've learned something of ourself when we encountered God in his word. Just as a, just as a, um, a side note, I wasn't going to plan on saying this, but like I, I referenced Isaiah 6 a few moments ago. When you get that, that idea in your head, there's this glorious revelation of the presence of God from Isaiah, who's a you know, good guy, upright prophet, you know, man of God, all of this stuff. But then he comes into the presence of God, and what was his response? Woe is me. I mean, he's, he starts to, to disintegrate, like his integrity is, is found to be so lacking in the presence of holy God. And so he learned something of himself in the revelation of who God is. And so we have this beautiful conversation. Like the, the dusty Bible on your shelf actually contains elements of God's heart and will and ways. And when we approach it with a greater level of hunger, maybe that just elevates a little bit of your hunger. How does God think? What does he like? What does he love? And we have this revelation in Scripture. So it changes us. So I guess that's one of those buyer beware kind of things. Like you, can't, you can't really dig in without it changing you because the Word of God is alive and active. Uh, the second thing I want you to see today is that, that God's word brings hope. And I was actually going to focus on this passage in Hebrews 6. I'm just going to reference it today uh, because it's, it's complicated. It begins talking about what does it mean to take an oath and the unchanging nature of God's purposes and why he does what he does. Uh, but it talks about God is not a liar. He's unable to lie. He's a God of truth. And then the author of Hebrews says this, we have this hope like the immutability of God's consistent truth, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. That's a great word. 
firm and secure. And then he goes on to say this, if it wasn't laced enough worth worship imagery, he says it it enters, this hope, enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf, then he has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So again, laced with old covenant, new covenant, and the work of Christ, the finished work of Christ. But here's the point, it says, the immutable work of God who cannot lie has expressed and revealed himself to us so that we can have hope. This is the language of worship. It's an encounter with God conveyed in the revelation of God's word. God who cannot lie, he is truth, connects us to the work of Christ so that we may be anchored and hopeful in a world where everything can feel very tossed about. Can anybody say, thank you God for that? Are you glad today that you have not only the encouragement, but you have the finished work of Christ as an anchor for your soul, specifically in the context of a time in history when things can feel very unsettled. I could give a list of things that feel unsettling to me, but then you'd feel all depressed, and then I'd have to remind you that you've got hope in Christ, and I've just, told, I've just brought you to that point. So I'll just leave you there for now. An anchor for the soul. I want you to think about this for a moment. Your identity in Christ, your identity in Christ, your identity period, when we talk about, about Scripture not leaving you unchanged, what we're talking about is this. God's Word does not allow you to stay comfortable as you are. It doesn't affirm you as you are. It actually begins to reveal in you the gaps and the spaces and the deep need in your heart and your life. And if by some grace of God, the Holy Spirit brings that to your mind and allows you to respond to it, you begin to step into a new relationship based on the finished work of Christ. So God's word changes us. But when you are in Christ, one of the greatest areas of spiritual attack will be your identity in Christ. I'm going to talk about that in the next point, just in a moment, but that's where we need to stay anchored. When your identity in Christ comes under attack from the enemy. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let me just talk for a moment. There's a few more moments about being anchored. I actually saw this picture um, in a church bathroom of all places. There's a lot of water. I don't know if there was some correlation or whatever, but... um, and I love this picture. I've seen others like it. It's a lighthouse and the big wave and, 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 you know, being buffeted. And I wonder how strong the anchoring must have to be to withstand something like this. I, I'd love to understand the physics behind a picture of this. How much could that structure actually withstand? And we know if it is not anchored, it's not going to stand when the waves come. Another more personal sort of example I've been thinking about uh, where the Henning family is partway through uh, a, a replacement of a fence. So we're replacing a fence that had some broken down uh, beams and all that kind of stuff. It was just kind of getting all junked, and so we're out with the old and in with the new. And so I am in the process of pulling out old fence posts. I should be done before the children are done with college at the rate I'm going, I'm not sure. Now, I should be done faster than that. But I will tell you one thing that's very interesting. You can tell the difference between a post that is anchored and one that is not. 
Some of them, I just wiggle them and pop them out, and they're done. And others of them have concrete. And the concrete excavation process, I don't know if you have done that ever or done that recently, but it is one that is trying on every level. It feels like you are doing a surgical dental excavation from some kind of grotesque monster with a 60-pound tooth that has to come out one little piece at a time. And I'll tell you what, even a very weak fence post is not going to move if it is anchored like that. So I've been thinking a little bit about that as I've been trying hard to get through some things that are very difficult in their anchoring. Um, let me say this real quickly, because I think it is important. If there's ever a time to be anchored in Christ and in his word, like if you are in Christ today, if you are a Christian today, you realize that you are in a world that is so angry and so anxious, and probably a lot of other adjectives, that the, you can walk in the room and simply be a breath of fresh air because you're the least anxious person. You can be anchored in Christ. You can be anchored in his word because his word changes us. And again, this is worship that spills over. So I just wanna encourage you in that. This is your witness. And again, if that's another pause for you to say, Lord, help. Lord, increase my hunger. Help me to be anchored in you. It's a good place to be. Let's, let's talk about this last one. God's word arms us for spiritual battle. Uh, Ephesians 6, we got a, a sort of lengthy passage here. Therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, uh, to stand. To stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So I mentioned just a few moments ago uh, that God's Word does not allow you to stay comfortable with where you are, but it reveals the needs of your life. This is undoing the lie of the enemy that you don't need Christ. If you are in Christ today, you need to do battle with the identity that he will come after, your identity in Christ. God's word does not allow the enemy to convince you that you are misaligned, but rather that you are in fact a child of God because the confidence that you have is based on the finished work of Christ and not your track record. So the enemy's gonna go after your track record again and again and again. I feel this, I feel the weight of this. I feel it for you as well. And we're, not, we're actually in good company when we realize this, that Jesus in Luke 4, he's beginning his earthly ministry, he's led into the Spirit, led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days of fasting, and uh, at the end of that 40 days of fasting, uh, the Holy Spirit doesn't show up, the devil does. And Jesus now endures uh, trial and temptation that he fights off with what? With Scripture, with the Word of God, because God wor God's Word arms us for spiritual battle. This notion of identity is so vitally important, and even for a child, even today, when we come to the baptism service, and you're just not too long, a few moments, uh, the baptism ce celebration is a celebration of identity. It is an identification with Christ. Says Christ, because of his finished work, has brought me into a relationship. And Paul actually says, I don't even want to live for myself anymore. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
So this is a powerful alignment and a powerful identity. So you know that the enemy is going to come after that. Uh, when we go to the Living Waters prayer service tonight, what are we doing? Well, we're worshiping, yes. We're praying, yes. We're looking at God's word, yes. But we are doing spiritual battle because the battles that we walk in and walk through are spiritual in nature. We see this, and God's word anchors us. Okay, so I'm gonna bring us to a, sort of an ending conclusion, and then we're gonna do some celebrating. Here's, here's where I'd like us to maybe process just a little bit. What is your personal commitment if you identify as a worshiper of Christ today and if you don't then maybe today's the day you say hey I need to get anchored and I need to give my heart and my life to Jesus Christ I need to fall on his finished work Uh, and if that's your work today that's your first order of business if you are in Christ the question is what is your personal commitment to God's word we know this already we said you have greater availability and access to God's word than ever before. So wh- why don't we dig in better or more consistently? Why don't we, why don't we grow, as, as the author of Hebrews said, you know, we're, some of us not ready for solid food. We're still on spiritual milk because we're not, we're not disciplined and le- leaning in. Well, we need spiritual help for that. And so it might be simply to say, God, I need your help. I need you to increase my hunger. Now, I spoke to somebody, I think, who's here in this service today. Uh, spoke to me months ago saying, I started asking God to increase my hunger, and he did. He did. And she was so excited. She said, I, it's so, it's, it's, I, I have a hunger to, to go after God and his word, to, to hear from him better, to lean in. My disciplines are improving. So it's, it's, it's exciting to see God answer prayer in that way. So that, that might be a, just a simple thing. I want to encourage you as you're thinking about, you know, maybe there's some things that I used to do. That's actually a scriptural mandate. Go back and do the things that you used to do. And sometimes we need to do that. Maybe we've gotten out of the habit of being uh, regular pursuers of God or being anchored in his word. I want to encourage you today uh, to, to understand the cumulative effect of small things. Right? I mean, like 15 minutes in God's word. I, I spoke to a young lady, this is years and years ago, who just was a spiritual giant. I mean, she was a young lady, but she was a spiritual giant doing all kinds of incredible things for the kingdom of God. And I, I asked her, I said, what did God do to get a hold of your life? And she said, I started giving him 10 minutes a day. <laughs> I started actually giving him 10 minutes a day. And he's taken me on a journey ever since. So don't, don't underestimate the cumulative effect of the small things or what God wants to do. The, the un, you know, demystify a little bit. Yes, it's true. Sometimes I open my Bible and I read through and I go, I'm not sure if I even understood what I read. But by, but by giving God the opportunity, I open myself up for the opportunity for a significant breakthrough, which also comes, just not as frequently. I anchor myself and my worship in the word of God. Okay, So I want to ask you just to pray that, just in your own words. God, help me to be anchored in the word of God. Just give, give God 30 seconds of prayer over that. Help me to be anchored in the word of God. And here's a, here's a great little exercise. God, what's next? Just ask him. What's the next, what's the next step that I can take to be better anchored in, in your word? You probably already know it. It's that thing you've been meaning to do, right? So we're just gonna give you a nudge today. God, we wanna be anchored in the word of God. Thank you, Lord.
I want to give you just um, one other thing. Amen. We just commit that to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Um, our corporate commitment to God's word. Uh, so we anchor our worship in the word of God. So this is why as we gather corporately, we're listening for God's voice calling us in. The first thing that you heard as we went to worship today was God's word in scripture. One of the last things that you'll hear is God's word. As you're hearing God's word now, we get the sense of God's voice calling us in, calling us up, calling us out. Um, God's been putting it on my heart that, you know, even our, in our preaching ministry, of which I have a large responsibility, um, I've, been, I've been wrestling with the Lord in, in some good ways and getting excited about taking us through some, some greater levels of biblical literacy, even so much that in the coming years, um, we're going to cover the entire Bible in our preaching calendar. You know, we do a lot of time in the epistles and a lot of time in the gospels, and that's wonderful. We're going to keep doing that. Um, but God's got more, more for us, and we're going to believe that as we go through that and maybe develop a greater orbed, a more well-orbed understanding of God's word together, that that will be a great adventure. So pray for that. Pray that God would help us as we move forward. Um, I, want to, I want to just pray for you, and then I'm going to close, and then we're going to celebrate baptism together. And so uh, to be grounded in God's word is a good place for us to be. Let's pray and ask the Lord for help. Jesus, as we have already paused a few times just to say, increase our hunger, show us the next step, help us with our personal commitment, help us with our corporate commitment. Lord, we're just asking that you would reveal your glory and that you would help us to follow hard after you. Lord, there might be some here today that would just say, God, just give me one small step. Maybe someone say, Lord, just what's one small step that I could take in obedience to you today? I suspect that somebody might say, what's one renewed commitment that I could make to you today? What's one new start? Maybe God's got a new thing for you. He wants to take you to a new adventure. What a joy that would be. So Lord, we, we commit this to you. In the spirit of worship, as we are those who are called and invited to draw near, would you help us to, to do that well? And uh, we're grateful, God. We're grateful that you have given us the revelation, glimpse of your heart, glimpse of who you are, that we would never have if you had not chosen to give it. So help us to take full advantage of that. We love you. Cause us to grow. Cause us, cause us to be more Christ-like. God, we, we would even say uh, we, we don't want to do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. So we're not, we're not doing anything. We're not doing any disciplines to impress somebody else. We're doing disciplines, God, to lean into your presence and to go after you more fully. So help us to do that well. Speak to us today as I believe you already have. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. I like to hear you agree in prayer. Hey, church, as we close the service, we actually have a lot more going on today. Uh, I'm going to ask Bill Jester to come up, and uh, he's going to walk you through uh, some of our baptism stuff. Uh, and we're, uh, we're excited to celebrate this. I, I would simply say, for my two cents, I don't like quiet, stuffy baptisms. Um, I don't think that's just my personal preference. I think that God rejoices when people are making commitments to him. So don't be afraid to say thank you, Lord, and clap your hands and encourage those who are following the Lord in baptism today. So Bill Jester is our children's minister, and he's going to lead us in this next section. So Bill, why don't you come?